Everybody doing good? God is so good. Been battling a little bit. You guys know I'm a kind of an organized freak. I like things to be in order and I think God's made me to be a little rigid in areas and have to die to some areas. But many times as I'm knee deep in a series for a while, I grow weary. You know, we've been doing this for four or five straight weeks. And I start to think, I start to wonder what you're thinking. And that's scary. Do you ever let what somebody, what you think somebody else thinks about you dictate your next move? What you think somebody's thinking Help make the decision that you make next. I'm sitting there thinking, you know what? Everybody's getting tired of this. But as I was studying this morning, I just felt the Lord say, oh, no. You could spend the rest of your life telling people about me and who I am, that we so desperately need to get a grip on who God is. That if your image of God is messed up, you are never. You are never going to come out from under the the strains and the presses the pressures that you're in that if we have the wrong image of God, that he's a slot machine type God, we just go whenever we need something and pull the trigger and we get it. Well, let me tell you, God doesn't work like that. And we can live our lives completely frustrated. And I've been saying every week that our happiness, our happiness is dictated by our image of God. And if it's wrong, you're not going to be happy. And how important it is that we start to get a true picture of who God the Father is. Amen? We've been looking. Is God a good father? If you remember a few weeks ago, Jesus came on to the earth for many reasons, but one reason was to show us how to have relationship with the Father. Do you remember? He said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven. Radical. Radical. Our Father. We are to see God the Creator as Father Yes, and that's what we've been battling with the last few weeks. Knowing that so many of us have grown up with imperfect fathers. How can we ever receive God as father? And that's kind of what I've been battling the last few weeks. We saw two weeks ago that God is a caring father. I've said this over and over, and I'm probably going to continue to say it, that we don't care what people know until we know That they care. We don't care. I don't care what you know until I know that you care. And if you don't know that God genuinely cares for you, then why would you ever want to obey him? Or why would you ever want to serve him or love him? If you think that he's some all-powerful being that's just taking the magnifying glass and zapping you whenever he feels like it. Have you ever done that to an ant? Many people see God as that. Who can I zap today? Well, that's a messed up view of God. How can we ever grab hold of what he's called us to do and who he is and really accept the fact that. That that I'm a good that that, that I'm beautifully and wonderfully made, I'm. Is that right? I've probably messed that up, but how can I grab grab hold of that if I think God doesn't care for me? Secondly, God is a consistent father. And many of us grew up with an inconsistent dad. I've told you, I had a great dad, but he wasn't always consistent. You know, I'm not not talking about my dad now, but sometimes dads are, 
will say one thing and do something else, will be a different person today than he was the day before, whether it's moody or you, let me tell you something, God's not moody. He is consistent all the time. And you know what? It's hard for us to accept God the Father when we have to see him through our own father. And dads, I've told y'all every week that we are a picture of who God is to our kids. Whether good or bad, what kind of picture are you painting for your child of who God is? Because we struggle so much today as a nation because we can't receive a perfect God because our God's, our dads here on earth were so imperfect. Let me tell you, I'm an imperfect dad. But God is consistent every single time. But today, I want to tell you that God is a God who is close. He is close. That means that he is available all the time. He's there when you need him. He's not distant. He's not far off. He's available. In Acts chapter 17, it says God did this so that people would reach out for him and find him since he is not far since he is not far from each of us. God wants you to find him. God wants you to know him. God wants you to have a relationship with him. He is a good father. Now, so many of us had absentee fathers. Now, I will tell you, my dad was not an absentee father, but he will tell you that the, at the time I turned 11 year, years old, he recommitted himself to fathering me. He realized that Building his business no longer was what was important, even though it still was important. But having a relationship with me was important. And I didn't say this first service. He's not here, so I'm going to talk about him. But uh, let me tell you, it was a rough year. <laughs> it was rough. I have memories in my mind. But you know what? He was showing me he loved me enough to raise me. God is a close father. We have grown up with absentee fathers. Maybe they're on business trips all the time. Maybe they're just gone all the time. Maybe they're with their friends. Or maybe they're at home behind the newspaper. You know, I have found myself hard to reach by my kids sometimes. And I could not even be busy. I might just be interested in what I'm doing. Very self-centered. And my kids come up and I'm like, not now. Leave me alone. Go do something else. Go find something else to do. God is never that way. He is always ready to hear you. Always ready to talk to you. Desires to talk to you. You know, we have a, a system in our house that we have an intercom so that I, I despise yelling. Don't yell for me and don't yell for Elizabeth. Don't do it. Come look us in the eyes and say, excuse me. We might be into something out of respect. But you know what? God hears our cry. God hears us when we're yelling. He desires to hear us any way we will come to him. Whether it is in complete desperation or whether it is whether we're just thankful. He's never too busy for me. And he's never too busy for you. Again, you'd say, Pastor, we know this. Yes, but it. Will you get to that point of the mind blowing point to think the creator of the universe is ready to hear from me? The creator of the universe is ready to hear from me. 
I read a study in Time magazine about the impact of absentee parents and the effects that it's had on children today. This is a couple years old. The President's Council of Economic Advisors did a study and they quantified what plenty of people have observed. It's that the two earner income family as well as the rise of the single parent families have resulted in the fact that parents now spend an average of 22 hours, fewer hours with their children each week than they did in 1969. That's almost a full day a week that people spend less with their kids. Now, I am not against the two, uh, the two earner income families. Uh, we, we've just had our youngest child to go to kindergarten. And Elizabeth has come on staff with us here at the church. Out of all the needs that we have and out of her need to uh, um, desire to work and desire to, to be in ministry. Um, however, we have had just in the few months that we've had and she's part time and she leaves when the kids are out of school the effects that it's having on our home. It has effect on the home. And listen, I'm a, I wouldn't say I'm a workaholic, but I have workaholic tendencies. And I see all the work. And she says, well, wait a minute. I see the kids and the family and the marriage. Well, praise God, somebody does. And I need to sometimes pull back and say, okay, I need you to work, but what's more important The problem is, is we have set these standards and we say, well, if we can't get in all our hours, if we can't fulfill this, then we can't stay above. We can't stay. I keep our head above water. We've got these means that we've got to hit. We've got to we've 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 got we've got to make ends meet. Well, I want to encourage you consider lowering the ends. I'm all about stuff. I'm all about having stuff and I'm all about doing the sports. And listen, I don't want to cut that stuff short. But I need to be a good steward and I need to weigh the cost of what what's what really is this costing me? What is this life really costing me? And I don't mean dollars. I mean, what's it costing my marriage? What's it costing my children? What does it cost? You know, today, parents are giving up their responsibility to raise their kids. It's why America is where it's at. Come on. And we're all doing it, me included. Me included. But God is a close father. He's not too busy for you. Now, let me encourage you a little bit. Let me give you some good news truths about God. Number one, God is never too busy for me. Never. Never. Your parents may be too busy for you. You may may, may be too busy for your kids, but God is never too busy for you. When you pray, God doesn't say, not now. Not now, son. I'll talk to you later. God's never too busy. You know, there was an interesting article from a few years ago from Newsweek about a man by the name of Nathan Meyervolt, the chief technology officer for uh, Microsoft. At the time, he was worth well over $250 million. And had he stayed with the company, he would have been worth a whole lot more than that. He was who Bill Gates called his favorite geek. (laughs) However, a few years ago, uh, Volt shocked the entire industry when at 39 years old, he said he was going to leave the company for a year sabbatical to spend with his family. He said, I've just been too busy for my family. So he walked away as the chief technology officer of Microsoft to spend time with his, at the time, uh, 10 year old twin boys. And you know what? This is unheard of for people to go and place time to give up certain things for their family. You're only going to have your kids for a certain season, for a season. 
And, you know, the writing's on the wall for me. I've still got younger kids, but my oldest is 13, and I can already see the end. Not the end of you, but the end of you being with me. I've got her in here with me. She's, this is the second time she's had to hear this, so maybe it's sinking in a little bit. 13 years old. After that, they're gone. So what are we going to do? We need to make time for them. Why? Because God is a model for us fathers, for us parents. He always makes time for us. Always. He always, he's never too busy. Number two, God loves to meet my needs because he's a close father. He loves to meet my needs. Matthew 7 verse 11 says, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? If you read before in Luke, it talks about you being an evil father, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will a perfect father give good gifts to those that ask? And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. But we see the picture of the father, even though we're not perfect. Let me tell you, I'm so far from perfect. I make so many mistakes but I still love not only to provide the needs for my kids, but I love to give them gifts. Same thing with my wife. How much more will God meet your needs? As a perfect father. We come in here with needs. Well, let me tell you, church, we need to be asking for him to meet our needs. I'm selfish a lot of times. I'm self-centered. I think of my needs. But as a parent, I still love to give to my kids. How much more will God the father meet your need? Look at what it says in Philippians 4, verse 19. It says, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory with Christ Jesus. Say all your needs. I'm sorry. Say all my needs. All my needs. What need do you have? It doesn't matter whether it's big or small. It doesn't matter whether it seems possible or impossible. My God will meet all my needs. Let me tell you just for a second. We have been... We have been uh, praying for breakthrough in our family w with an issue. And I want you to know, I'm hoping to have something tangible that I can put up on the screen to show you. We don't have that yet. But God has done a miracle in our family this week. I'm not going to share about it right now. I just want you to know that God is still a healing God. God is still a rescuing God, whether it's your finances or whether it's your marriage or whether it's your health. Try to tell somebody that God's not a healer to somebody that's been healed. So try to tell me God's not a healer. I'm going to tell you, you're a bald-faced liar. Because God is a healer. His word says he never changes. He says, I am the God, your healer. God never changes. And I know God to be a healer. The Lord's healed my wife. The Lord's healed me. The Lord's healed my kids. Over and over and over. And we've had breakthrough this week. And let me tell you, we've had to be, I've had to be down on my knees. I've had to be praying, I'm crying and weeping. Because I had to have it. How many here have something in your life that if God doesn't come through, you're dead. You're, you're done. My God will supply all my needs according to his riches. Far beyond the riches of the world. According to his riches. But finally, God is a God, God who is sympathetic to my hurts. This is so funny. I am. Me and Elizabeth come from just the total opposite end of the spectrum. We're we're playing as a family last night. We're playing apples to apples. All of our family. 
I don't know if you've ever played it, but it's a fun game, just a family time. And one of my kids knocked off a milk glass and shattered, went everywhere. She and I got down on the floor, cleaned it all up. Um, and sure enough, Pete got out of his chair and stepped on a piece of glass. And he's bleeding. He's, he, he wasn't crying, but he was very um, serious about it. And Elizabeth all of a sudden kicked into her mother mode and went running. She is very sympathetic, very compassionate. What do I do? I start aggravating him. I start tickling his feet. I start just being stupid. There's no other way to put it. I'm not simp- I, I struggle with sympathy. Maybe you've got a father that struggled with sympathy. Let me tell you, God does not struggle with sympathy. God knows your hurts and he sympathizes with your hurts. Even if your father didn't. Now I did finally hug him. My son is the most tender, soft-hearted, not like me at all. He's like me in certain areas. But here I am with his bleeding foot and I'm tickling his foot. And while I'm doing it, I'm thinking, this doesn't seem right. And Elizabeth's yelling at me, would you stop? Would you just stop? Just leave him alone. And I've got the flashlight to be a real blessing to show and shine the light. But I'm shining it right in Pete's eyes. And I'm going. And Elizabeth said, give me the flashlight. I'm like, okay. This isn't my gifting. That's a cop out, by the way. Whether it's your gifting or not, you get in there and do the right thing. God is will sympathize with your hurts. He already knows them. He hurts with you. He is simp- he, he has sympathy for me. You know, it shows in Scripture that when Jesus was moved to heal the sick, how was he moved? With compassion. He's moved when you hurt. He's moved when you hurt. He doesn't say, I ah, just get over it. Let's just put a Band-Aid on it and get back on the field. No, he loves on you. He sympathizes with you. He lets you cry. It says in Psalm 34. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. You know, in the size of the church we have right here, right now, I know that there's one or two, maybe even more than that, that has a broken heart. That is crushed. We've got things, pressures on us that we think nobody can understand. We think that we're the only ones going through it. You know, you can be on top of the world. You can be serving God, doing everything right. And all of a sudden feel like you're completely being thrown under the bus with no hope. Elijah had just seen all the prophets of Baal killed right before his eyes. All these miracles happening in his life. And what happened? Jezebel showed up and scared him half to death. And he ran off to pout. And what did he say to God? I'm the only one left. What did God say? No, you're not. You're not the only one. Get back up and let's go kill some more. Get back up and let's go attack that that you've got up, up against you. What have you got battling you right now? What have you got battling you right now? God's ready for you to have some victory. God is a God who cares. God is a God who is consistent. He's a father who's consistent. He's a father who's close. Many of you today may not feel close to God. Well, I want you to know he is ready to receive you. 
He hears your cries. You know what the word means that Jesus showed us when he said, Father, it means Abba. And what does Abba mean? Abba means daddy. Go and translate it any way you want to. You will find out that Abba means daddy. And Abba is not a Swedish rock group. Some of you old school people from the 80s. Pastor Stephen is my chief 80s uh, theologian. Abba. You know, every Middle Eastern kid that, that, that grows up in that area, the first word they learn is Abba. Daddy. Papa. That's what that word means. There's nothing sweeter to my ears as a dad when my kids say, Daddy. It just melts me. And I believe the same thing happens. I'm created in the image of God. I believe that when I call on God, not as the all-powerful, but as Daddy, that he melts a little bit and that he responds and that he responds like a perfect father should respond. You know, if I were to walk out the walk in the door of my house and my kids were to come up to me and say, Oh, thou most holy procreator of the Ramsey family. (laughs) Thou who so sovereignly bestows our allowance upon us, we beseech thee for a bountiful blessing of cash that we may goeth to the movies. (laughs) I'd probably go lay hands and try to cast a demon out of him. We wouldn't respond. We would, we, I wouldn't respond to that. But when they come and sit in my lap and say, daddy, daddy, can I have a, I've already had three cookies. Can I have a fourth one? Knowing what mommy would say, where's mommy? She's not here. Yeah, go get you another cookie. I let. I hate to even say this. I let Pete drive my car the other day, just in a parking lot. He's 11. And I had a hold of everything. It probably could have gone really bad, but it didn't. I was praying. But I forgot to tell him, don't tell your mother. So the, you didn't know it. So the first thing he did, mom, I drove the car. I'm like, Pete. You know, we as fathers, how we so want to bless our children. God is so desiring to move powerfully in your life and to rescue you out of that pit that you're in. It is God's desire to rescue you. And not just rescue you, but restore you as though whatever has been beating you down never did it. Would you consider, just consider the thought that God is more than just this spirit, but that he, he desires a personal relationship with you and one that you can go cry out to him and say, daddy, daddy, here's my problem. Here's my hurt. Here's my need. Here's what happened to me this week. You know, I'm already, you know, already what I'm thinking, daddy. You just share with them on a heart to heart basis with no fluff, no ritual, no these and thous, just daughter to daddy. Or son to daddy. For God is a close father.